Welcome back to a local church podcast. I am Pastor Ryan, flying solo today. Ryan Allen, co-host, is traveling uh, through training that he's doing with his employment, and we wish him safe travels and um, travel mercies as he makes his way back home. Today, I want to look at what is a revival. Many of you know from social media, February the 8th, Asbury University has a typical chapel service, and it has continued even until today. Many folks have traveled to Wilmore, Kentucky to see uh, what's going on in this revival, this chapel service. Uh, adults, students, college students, people from other states, even people from other countries have traveled to see uh, this worship service, this gathering of believers. I had the privilege of going on the 14th, and I saw prayer, I saw praise, I saw the reading of God's Word, I saw open repentance, and I pray that this continues. And so today's podcast, I want to look at what is a revival? You're listening to a local church podcast hosted by my dad, Pastor Ryan Marco. Be sure to leave a review and share this resource. Love God, love people, make disciples. If you're following along with us, we've been walking through Scripture, looking at the redemptive plan of God. I'm going to take a detour this morning, so I'm going to invite you to come back tonight as we'll do the regularly scheduled program uh, as far as sermons go. But tonight, or this morning, I want to talk about revival. Uh, we've mentioned it several times this morning. The uh, Asbury University started uh, chapel service on the 8th of February. It is still going on today. Uh, and many folks from around the state, around the country, other colleges, other universities uh, have followed suit and began worshiping and continue to worship. And so the question this morning is, what is revival? And that's kind of what we're going to be focused on. I know I ask you to turn to a lot of scriptures, but this morning is going to be... What is revival? And where is it found in Scripture? Uh, the word revival is not in Scripture. Uh, but the word revive is all throughout Scripture. Uh, we, this morning, uh, Stephen read Psalm 80. We'll look at that. Uh, but revive means something very specific uh, to us, not only as we read Scripture, but to us uh, in life. To revive someone is to bring them out of a state of dormancy or stagnation. To bring someone back to life uh, is to be revived. Uh, if you're in the medical profession, uh, it happens often that people have to be revived uh, through an external uh, whatever, either CPR or a machine actually revives them. But when we talk about revival, God is bringing back a people once in love with him back to life to be revived, to love him even more. Uh, and to uh, uh, live their lives according to what his word says. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. But is there a yearning in your heart to be revived? Is there a yearning in your heart to wake up every day and live the life that God has called you to live? It's not just going through the motions. It's not just, I traditionally go to church. I traditionally sing these songs. I traditionally uh, carry my Bible with me at times. 
But to be revived is to live a life of passion for the call that God has on your life. To follow Christ, no matter it's, whether it's a good day or a bad day. One theologian says this, Revival, it encompasses the resurfacing of a love for God, an appreciation of God's holiness, a passion for His Word and His church, a convicting awareness of personal and even corporate sin, a spirit of humility, and a desire for repentance and growth in righteousness. Revival invigorates and sometimes deepens the faith of a believer, opens his or her eyes to the truth in a fresh, new way. There's a commercial about soap, Irish Spring. It revives you in the morning. It awakens you. It gives you a new outlook on the day. A revival of God is so much more than a soap could ever give you. A revival of God is a, a, a renewing of one's passion for God and His Word. I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. John has a, a dream. He is uh, brought into the presence of an angel. And he says, here are some letters for some churches. Seven churches. From Christ, written letters to the churches. And we're gonna, I'm going to just highlight them. You can just mark these down somewhere. We're not going to really go into depth into these. But I want to kind of walk through a couple of these. Revelation chapter 2, God through His Holy Spirit calls the church to revival in certain situations and circumstances. The book of Revelation is no different. At the very beginning of Revelation chapter 2 verses 4 and 5, Christ calls out the church of Ephesus. He praises them for their perseverance and discernment, but He stated that they had forsaken their first love. Like this church that Christ is talking to, the church of Ephesus, we too can become bogged down in the tradition of church. There are mornings that I wake up and I say, I don't want to go. And Robin says, you're the pastor. <laughs> You've got to go. But we get bogged down with life. We get tired. We get wore out. We just like, I don't feel like it today. Jesus calls out this church and says, don't forget your first love. A revival is much of the same, that uh, those who are worshiping at Asbury, those who are worshiping across our nation, are remembering their first love, that Christ is important in all things. Revelations verse uh, 10 through 11, the church at Smyrna, they were faced with intense persecution. In this life, you're going to get made fun of for following Christ. In this life, you are going to stick out like a sore thumb for living your life according to the Word of God. It's a call for revival. Revival can lift us up to a new hope and even a stronger faith. Verses 14 and 16. Jesus talks about the problem of a, a compromised church. A, a church that is compromised with the world and incorporating worldly values into its belief system. Revival helps to rightly discern what is right and what is wrong according to the Word of God. Verses 20 through 23 discusses the problem of tolerating false teaching in the church. Do you go home and examine the messages you hear on Sunday morning? Do you understand what the Word of God says so that when Pastor Ryan says something funny, you can say, hey, Pastor Ryan, it's not in the Bible. Or do you just say, yep, yeah, that's a good sermon, Pastor Ryan, and you go on through your day? 
Revival helps us find the truth according to God's word. Chapter 3 of Revelation describes a dead church. A church that goes through the motions outwardly, but nothing but dead men's bones on the inside. This is called nominal Christianity. I'm outwardly busy with religious activity, but I am devoid of spiritual life and power from God. Revival helps resuscitate the spiritual life. Revival helps a dead church come back to life. Revelation 3 verse 11, the reader is further warned about complacency, a life that does not bear fruit. All of these scenarios that Christ calls the church is a call for revival. The prayer for us today is for God to revive his people, not just college students, but adults just waiting to cross over the River Jordan, but that he revives us so that we would live the life he's called us to, uh, a life of humility, a life of turning from sin and obedience to God's word, being revived according to his plan and his spirit. I want you to turn to the Psalms. Psalm 69, 2 will be the first one. I'm going to read several of these, and you can write these down again. Uh, we're going to be flipping quite a bit this morning until we get to our final passage. But Psalm 69, verse 32. Psalm 69, verse 32. The humble have seen it and are glad. You who seek God, let your heart Revive. To be humble is to know that you cannot save yourself. To be humble is to know that you are not God. Those who are humble see God. Those who are humble, their hearts are revived. Go to Psalm 80. We're going to continue to go in this, this direction. Psalm 80 verse 18. Then we shall turn back from you, revive us, and we will call upon your name. Oftentimes in our life, when things are going really good, we neglect to call in the name of God. Why? Because my paycheck's okay. My family's doing okay. I've got food in the pantry. Everything's hunky-dory. Revival is a call to recognize that God is God, even in the days when they're sunny. But when the days are bad, God is still God. Psalm 85, verse 6 and 7. Another plea from the people of God to God himself. Psalm 85, verse 6 and 7. Will you not yourself revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your loving kindness, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Psalm 119, verse 25 through 32. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have told my ways and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the ways of your precepts so I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed your ordinances before me. I cling to your testimonies. O oh Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of your commandments, for, your, for you will enlarge my heart. God melts the heart of stone and causes it to be revived, to be made new, to follow him and his word. Psalm 119, verse 88. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. 
Psalm 119, 93. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you revive me. We are revived by heeding the word of God. We are revived by remembering that he is a loving, kind, good God. The way that we go may not always be comfortable. It may not always be safe. But God is always good and steadfast according to his word. We're going to camp out in our next passage, Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, verse 14 and 15. I'm going to ask that we stand as we continue our worship. We remember the word of God. We remember who God is in this life. Psalm 57, verse 14 and 15. Isaiah. I said Psalm again, didn't I? Isaiah 57, 14 and 15. And it shall be said... Build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place, and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the contrite heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray that as we hear your word, as we read your word, that our hearts are moved to repent and turn to you. That the revival that we see in a university isn't just uh, encapsulated there, but that it moves throughout the nation, moves throughout the world for your glory. God, we pray that hearts are changed this morning. Help us to be a people who love your word. Help us to be a humble and contrite people who repent when there is sin, who give grace to those who are walking in sin, to share the good news all the days that we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This passage here, Isaiah is calling out the people of God to repent, to turn from a past sin. God himself opens the way into his reviving presence for all who would repent. Do you want to seek revival in your, in your life, in your family, in your workplace, in your job, in, 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 in our church? Repent and turn to God. Repentance and a humble spirit is the first way that we see revival. He says that the, the one who's God's presence is with is the contrite and the lowly. Pastor, you don't understand. I'm, I'm good. I'm a decent person. I don't, I don't hurt anybody out in the world. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark that God has set. Jesus himself says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. We know about the Pharisees in the scriptures. They know the word of God. And yet they get it wrong. And Jesus says, unless your righteousness is better than theirs, you're not going to make it. Where does their righteousness come from? It's an outward righteousness based on the law of God. Well, what's the law of God? The Ten Commandments summarizes the entire law of God. You shall not have any other gods before me. You ever place something in front of God? Never take my name in vain. You ever use God's name in a wrong way? Oh, okay, pastor, those are big ones. You know, we can all kind of move around those. 
Thou shalt not steal. You ever left work early on the clock? I took a, one of my best friends, G.I. Joe's, when I was about eight or nine. I didn't know what to do with it, so I threw it away. <laughs> you ever looked at someone with lust? Ten Commandments say, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus says, If you even look at someone with lust, it's as if you've already committed adultery in your heart. Okay, Pastor, you're getting a little too close. That's just four. The fact is we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Isaiah tells us that the way back to God is very, very clear. It's open. There is no obstacle. He uses two words here in this passage, contrite and lowly. These two words provide for us a template for the person whom God dwells. The, a template for the person who is revived. A template for the church that is experiencing revival. Uh, a template for a college community to experience the presence of God in two things. The one needs to be repentant and humble. Repentant and humble. Jesus uses the same word. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The one who is poor in spirit is humble, is humbling himself or herself before a holy God. I am not good, God, but you are. I have sinned, God, but you haven't. God, forgive me of my sin and make me new again. Churches need to do the same thing. God, we have lived in our traditions for so long. It feels like our traditions is what you called us to do. But God says, repent and submit yourselves and I will heal you. I will revive you. Revival is possible. Revival starts with humility and repentance. Our second word. What does it mean to repent? Is it just to mean, well, I've been caught and now I've got to say I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Kids can do that, right? Did you take that cookie? No. And then you get to the front. I took the cookie. I'm sorry. And I begin to weep. You just got caught. A repentance is I know that God is holy. And I didn't have to be created. But God gives me the breath that I have in my lungs that I may live a life to him and to him alone. A repentance simply means a turning, a changing of one's mind. Uh, I was going this way and I turned 180 and go this way. I'm turning to God and Christ for forgiveness. A new direction, a new way of living one's life. To repent is to leave one's old way of living and choices and making his or her life wrapped around Jesus. To repent isn't just to be caught, it's to make a change of mind. It's like, I am no longer going to live a life in rebellion against God. I'm no longer going to live a life of traditional outward religiosity. J.I. Packer says this, The New Testament word for repentance means to change one's mind so that one's views, values, goals, ways are changed One's whole life is lived differently. 
The change is so radical that both inward and outward, mind and judgment, will and affections, behavior and lifestyle, motives and purposes are all involved. When I repent, it is my whole being turning to God in humble submission to Him and His Word. That I am not good enough to live the life He's called me to, but Christ is, Christ has, Christ is our salvation. Jesus begins his ministry with a very simple statement. He repeats the words of John the Baptist in Matthew 4, 17. From the time Jesus began to preach, he says this, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus uses the word repent. It simply means to change one's mind, to turn from sin and rebellion and turn to Christ, turn to God and his kingdom that lasts forever. The prayer is in Psalm 51. I'd like for you to turn there. David, we know the story of David, is a man after God's own heart, and yet he sinned, and when he sinned, he sinned big. The time when kings were to go away to war, David stayed back, and he goes on his balcony, he sees Bathsheba, another man's wife. He calls and has her brought to him. He sleeps with her in adultery. And he's like, well, let's bring her husband home. So that he can be with her. And her husband being the good general says, I'm going to sleep outside because my soldiers are still in the front line. So David devises this scheme and says, okay, when the battle is its fiercest, everybody pull back but Uriah and leave him there to die. So not only does David commit adultery, he also commits murder. His friend comes along and says, hey, there's a story about a rich man and a young man or a poor man. Poor man's only got one lamb. It's like a family member to his family. The rich man has many lambs. And he goes to the poor man, he takes his only lamb, and he uses it for a meal. David's mad. How dare that rich guy do that to the poor guy? And his friend says, well, you're the man. You're the one that's doing this. You're the one that's committed sin. Psalm 51 is the, the confession of David's heart. Look at verse 10, 11, and 12. This is the heart, this is the cry of the church that seeks revival. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Do you have joy that Christ has saved you? Or is it just an outward, I've got to go to church today? Is there an inward yearning and passion for the Word of God, for the life that God has called you to live. David simply, humbly, powerfully asked God to clean out the cobwebs of his heart. You may be holding on to a grudge. Somebody across this aisle or somebody across that aisle said something to you or your family a long time ago. Today is the day to leave that at the cross. Maybe we didn't spend the money the way you wanted us to spend it. Leave that at the cross. Pastor, you never wear a tie. <laughs> Leave it at the cross. Will we be a church that's hungry for a new heart? Uh, uh, will we pray the prayer that David prays? Restore to us the joy of salvation. Amen. When folks come into our church... Do they see the gladness of salvation? Do they see the joy that Christ has given us? Or do they see, 
arms crossed, names on seats. I pray that this is our prayer today. But you don't have to travel to Asbury to experience the presence of God. If you follow Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And so that you can experience revival even in your own home, in your family, in your workplace, in the gas station, in the grocery store. You can experience the joy of God's salvation wherever you go. Why? Because he lives in you. If you follow Christ, Paul reminds the church in Corinth, a church that's stuck in sexual sin. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Whom you have from God. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You want to experience revival? Repent. Submit yourself to God and his word. But understand that he lives in you. You are no longer your own. Glorify God with your body, with your choices, in your family time, in your workplace. Do you glorify God or do you just go with the flow? I clock in, I clock out, I go home, I go to bed. I get up and do it all over again. That is not life. That is not the abundant life that Christ calls his followers to live. Do you have compassion for him? Will we acknowledge the holiness of God? Will we order our lives around the good news of Jesus Christ who lived a life that you and I could never live? He lived a sinless life. He died a atoning death on the cross to pay our sin debt. He was dead and buried and rose again so that we might walk in newness of life with him. The one who places his or her faith in Jesus has every opportunity to experience revival in their life. Whether it's a good day or whether it's a bad day, revival comes to those who are contrite and lowly. Romans 10, verse 6 through 11. Those who place their faith in Christ receive his righteousness. And so when he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, You'll never enter the kingdom of God. The one whose faith is in Christ receives his righteousness. And guess what? His righteousness surpasses any outward righteousness the Pharisees could ever have. The righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? Or who will ascend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Is your prayer that this morning, that those who seek Christ Find forgiveness of sins. Find salvation. Find a new outlook on life. They have been revived from dead to life. And will we be a church that rallies around our community that says, we have good news? Amen. Or will we sit in tradition 
the way we've always done things. Pray with me that revival, prayer, praise, preaching continues. That it may strengthen believers. That it may advance the glory of God. That the lost are saved here in our community. May we as a body of believers be honest. Repent where we need to repent. To stay focused on the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.